WORQ Green Bay Fox Cities. Welcome to Naomi's Table, a Bible-based program just for women where seasoned Naomi's nurture young roots with real scriptural food for the spirit, encouraging and equipping your walk in biblical womanhood. Grab a Bible, pull up a chair, and invite your friends. There's plenty of room at Naomi's Table. Welcome to Naomi's Table, everyone. I'm Amy Spreeman, along with my co-hostess, Nancy LeMay. Hey, Nancy. Hey. Hey, you know, what we're talking about today is actually opposite about what we were talking about at the table yesterday. Today, we're talking about encouragement. Now, you know, yesterday we looked at the harm that our uh, tongues can do in the area of gossip and slander. Well, there's good news, because today we are looking at the good things that our words were intended to do. You know, things like praising God, sharing his hope, encouraging other women. We're going to be doing that at the table today. You know, Naomi's table is a great place, a safe place to come and to leave all your preconceived ideas behind, your opinions, your emotions, your gut instincts, anything to do with being politically correct, because we open up God's Word together at the table here. Just scoot up a chair. We're going to do that to find out what God says about a whole host of issues. And speaking about what God says, one of our favorite things to do here is our daily Bible study. So we're going to be here in just a bit in 1 Samuel with teacher Beth Seifert. And wow, we are already in the 60s with the lesson numbers, so that's kind of strange. But uh, time's just flying there. But anyway, uh, we will hear what Beth has to say about today's lesson, and then Amy and I will discuss it to see what we can learn from it to apply to our lives. And remember, you can find follow along as well because we have notes that you can download that are on the website naobestable.com you know and, and a lot of you are doing that and i just heard yesterday that some ladies are uh discovering those bible studies and they're trying to decide between i think the the last discussion i heard was uh between philippians or mark which one they were going to do so uh, mm. ladies good luck i do both they're both excellent philippians is short so do that one first and then go back and do mark oh they're they're <laughs> both excellent and there's even more on there uh future show program um nancy we're going to be doing a program pretty soon about uh men washing us in the word and uh, I, I tell you why we're going to be doing that I, I realized after listening to some friends of mine uh, talk about this that very few of us have men in our lives our, our husbands who regularly read scripture to us who wash us in the word as they say and uh, you know we long for that we long to have our men guide us and and really help us with our spiritual lives so many of us feel like we're kind of doing this on our own even in marriage so uh, guys, uh, I'll let you know when that is, but it should be pretty empowering. So, ladies, if you have anything that you would like to share about that, uh, a lot of guys listen, so uh, feel free to do that. You can email us about anything that you hear on this program or uh, about that particular topic, and you can just send a note to connect at naomistable.com. All right, so on to today's show topic. We're talking about our words. And like I said, yesterday we talked about, um, you know, the, the um, discouraging things that we can say that really uh, takes its toll on other human beings. Well, words really just aren't simply sounds that ca- are caused by, you know, us breathing in and then passing out things through our larynx. Words really do have power. And I'm not talking about the word of faith movement or anything like that. We can't you know, speak things into existence, but our words, uh, either discouragement or encouragement, can really 
um, really change relationships, really change our, our thoughts and our thinking and that kind of thing, and, and they can cause damage. We don't want to talk about the damage part of it because we did that yesterday. So uh, listen to yesterday's podcast and you can hear that. But tell you what, Nancy, God has a lot to say about the good things that we can do with our words. Absolutely. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So you could choose to be on Satan's destruction crew or be on God's construction crew. And today we're going to talk about being on God's construction crew and building people up with your words. Now, yeah, a lot of people uh, think that maybe they don't have the gift of encouragement, but you know, we all have that. We'll have people who uh, come to us in times of hurt or, uh, you know, I always think about um, funerals and, and mm-hmm. you know, picture when somebody has passed away, whether it's been, uh, you know, of natural causes or something else. And, and the long uh, procession, the long funeral line at the either the funeral home or the church, uh, that's all there to encourage those who are grieving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to share our heartfelt sympathy, our prayers, uh, perhaps some scripture with somebody who's hurting. Uh, that's very, very necessary for the healing process, isn't it? It is, but be very careful with that because yeah. the last thing that someone who has just lost, let's say a parent who's lost a child, mm-hmm. the last thing they want to hear is you quoting Romans eight twenty eight. Oh, so yeah, remember, words have due seasons. We're told that. So remember that, that a word in due season is what we really need to aim for. And we are supposed to mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. And rejoice with those who rejoice so there is nothing wrong with when you are in that line uh, even if the the person was a believer and the person who passed is a believer to just say I'm so sorry for your yeah. loss but you know I remember so many wonderful times about the yes. person you know and things like that that I think are really encouraging to them to know that their loved one's life had an impact yeah. so that's one way you could do it without turning it into a oh trust God with this you know because sometimes that's kind of hard for us to hear yes it's true but sometimes that can just be really really hard if we have circumstances going on so how are some ways that we can do this encouragement thing well you know Nancy you you touched on a very good thing share memories uh, of somebody who's uh, you know, no longer with us right then and there with, with the, the widow or the, the children of, of those who have gone and, and share those, those tender moments, maybe something that they didn't know. Uh, such a beautiful thing happened like that with uh, my father-in-law when he passed away. And, and I remember the night before the funeral at the funeral home, uh, people were there sharing and you could hear laughter because there were so many funny stories about this man he he touched so many lives and made so many people smile that uh we were laughing even though through our tears mm-hmm. just because of the uh words of encouragement that people were sharing with us so so the stories that's one way through those hard mm-hmm. times uh what if it's not a funeral what if it's mm-hmm. something that somebody's going through um you know loss of a job loss maybe. Of a, you know depression mm-hmm. something like that Uh, Our words are very important in those times as well. You know, someone who really knew how to do it right was Barnabas. And Barnabas actually was named Joseph, but he was given the nickname Barnabas because Barnabas means son of encouragement. Mm -hmm. And when you look at two things that really jump out that Barnabas did, 
First of all, when Paul repented and turned to Christ after that phenomenal experience that he had with encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus, that uh, he um, spent some time in the wilderness, he spent some time praying and fasting and studying, and then he went to Jerusalem. And when he first went to Jerusalem, none of the Christians there, none of the church in Jerusalem trusted him because they're like, this is the guy that was persecuting us. But Barnabas, he stepped up and he said, no, I I can tell Paul is, you know, and this is Nancy's interpretation, so (laughs) read it yourself. Uh, But he was like, no, I can tell God is doing something in this man. And he really came forward and guided Paul and helped him. And he really was almost like his mentor initially uh, while Paul was still learning the whole uh, words and teachings of Jesus Christ thing. So he did that. And then the other thing he did is um, his, uh, I think it was his cousin or nephew, I can't remember which, John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Mm-hmm. And Mark had gone with Paul and Barnabas, or rather he started out with them on their first missionary journey. And really early in the trip, uh, we don't know what happened, it doesn't say, but he left them and went back home. We don't know if he got homesick. We don't know if he got sick. We don't know if he all of a sudden was fearful and returned home or what it was. Mm-hmm. But Paul had a hard time getting over that. Yeah. The man who in 1 Corinthians 13 rolled, wrote about true love holds no account was holding an account <laughs> against John Mark. And uh, later on, when he and Barnabas were planning to go on another missionary journey, Barnabas was really uh, wanting to bring John Mark with him because he had forgiven John Mark and he had encouraged him despite his failure before mm-hmm. to get back on that horse and come out with us. Yeah. But Paul didn't want anything of it so it was at that point that Paul and Barnabas split and John Mark went with Barnabas. But you know, even in that, God used that to spread the gospel even further through the two of them separate rather yeah. than if they had been together. So so he's a tremendous encourager. He's great at giving second chances mm-hmm. if you've had a failure or giving you grace, benefit of the doubt, if you've had that change of heart like Paul did. And those are, are tremendous encouragements mm-hmm. if you've messed up and you oh. know you've messed up. And having that person there to let you know, let you out of that dark pit that you feel like you're in Mm. and let you know, okay, so you messed up. That's okay. Get up on your feet and, you know, keep going. I love encouragement like that. It, It really does help get me through some things. And Jesus reminds us that the words we speak are actually an overflow of our hearts. And so uh, the women who've encouraged me uh, in that biblical way have always had that joy of knowing the Lord. Uh, so, So when you become a Christian, really, there's this expectancy that a change of speech is going to follow because now you're living for Christ and you want to make a difference and you want your words to be pleasing to God and holy. And uh, I, I remember there was a, a case a few years ago where I was with a woman whose husband was just um, not following the Lord. He mm. uh, really was following the flesh, and he uh, was leaving uh, the wife and the children behind, just decided, mm. you know what, I'm going to pick up, I'm going to move in with another woman and and, and leave. And, and he did that. He abandoned the family. And so I was trying to um, encourage her because she was going through quite a lot with legal things, and, and uh, he wasn't 
letting her have any money and she was going to be destitute and unless she, you know, whatever it was that she was doing at the time. And uh, she really wanted to be pleasing to the Lord and she really wanted to stand firm, even though it would mean she's going to have to go through some really tough, tough times for not um, compromising her faith. And, and so I was able to encourage her and say, I know you're going through this time. I'm going to do whatever I can to help you. But I, I, I remembered thinking, you know what she's doing? She's encouraging her. She's leaving a legacy for her children because she's not bashing her husband or her ex now. She's not um, doing what we all wish we could do, and that's, you know, take the vengeance because everybody was mad at him. She wasn't doing that. She was praying with her children. She was keeping them out of harm's way. And uh, so I was able to encourage her and say, you, you're inspiring me because my flesh right now wants to react, and you're showing me what a godly woman does, and, and look at the legacy you're leaving your children. And it just warmed me to be able to share that with her, uh, how she was showing me God's true love. And that is so important, too, to the relationship of the children with the father, yeah. that she not be denigrating him in their presence. Yeah. I mean, kids are smart. They see things. They probably know what's going on. Sure. But, you know, by not putting him down, by not uh, tearing apart his character, which... You know, according to worldly standards, she was perfectly justified in doing so, in meeting out that judgment herself. Um, but by not doing that, and by maintaining that meek humility that she had, she preserves a relationship between her husband and her children, because children do need a father. And even in that situation, when he is being such a horrible example to them, they still need the father. They but do. You, you know, that reminds me of the verses in uh, Romans 8. And this is a, oh, oh, I'd love to be able to memorize the whole chapter. Maybe someday I will. But when we talk about uh, in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are being killed all day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us Mm. so even if your circumstances look dire we need to remember that he has overcome the world. And uh, I love that verse where, where Jesus says that, that um, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, take heart, I have overcome the world. And that's yeah. in John 10, I believe. Greater is he. Yeah. Boy, I tell you. John somewhere. <laughs> but, but you know, um, that just reminds us how much we can encourage other women who are going through whatever they're going through, even if it's just simply... Um, being angry at somebody. You know, if you come alongside a woman and bring her back to Scripture and say, yes, but here's what God says about it. And I just want to encourage you in that way. If we use words like that, uh, we're not scolding them. Uh, We're simply reminding. Say, I I love that you're uh, you're really seeking to get out of this mood that you're in. Let me remind you what God says about it. In in a a non- um, arrogant way, I think that's a really good yeah, thing. Yeah, don't come to across do. self righteous there. No, that would I, not be attractive. But that, that would not be attractive no, at all. But, but you're absolutely right. Uh, what encouragement can do is it can give you the bigger picture. Yeah. It kind of gives you that perspective. So you could see your troubles or see your circumstance or, or whatever it is that has you down. You can see it in the big picture. And by doing that, you're actually going to 
uh, be able to hold on to that hope that you will there will be another day you will see an, another sunrise yeah. that uh, all of those things aren't going to be waiting for you despite this problem that just seems so overwhelming at the moment and that reminds me Nancy that we could um, also be encouraging ourselves a little bit more with scripture than we do and uh, ladies Nancy and I were talking before the program uh, before we started putting this together that uh, every morning you were telling me Nancy that Martin Luther uh, you know, the, who led the Reformation, uh, he would get out of bed every morning and encourage himself. Yes, before his feet would hit the floor, I believe he would say, I am crucified with Christ. So he was reminding his flesh that you have died to sin. You no longer live. Christ lives in you. So he would have to remind himself of that. And Paul talks a lot, too, about constantly reminding himself of the things of Christ yeah. and that he no longer lives, but Christ lives in him. So there, there is encouragement that you can do for yourself as well. And why is this encouragement so important? Well, First of all, life is hard. I yeah, mean, there are so many hardships that we can have. And uh, when we get our eyes off of the circumstances and keep our eyes focused on God's kingdom and his righteousness and getting to know him more, we realize we're just kind of sojourners in this world, that we're just yeah. passing through. And like I mentioned before, that really puts all those troubles and trials in perspective. Oh, the eternal eyes. And I know... I probably won't be like Martin Luther and, and declare things while I'm uh, still in bed. But I tell you what, I, I may sound a little crazy to some people because I do speak truth out loud to myself sometimes. There's just something about hearing your voice actually confirm it. Uh, you know, you can you can have thoughts in your head. Something about the verbal spoken words of truth from Scripture actually does help. I, I really have to say, um, again, what, you know, our, our voices, our words don't have the kind of power that uh, uh, some are preaching in some of the more prosperity churches. But uh, I'll tell you what, when we hear truth through the, the spoken word of God, it, it is incredibly powerful in our lives. Oh, yeah. Paul says in Ephesians six twelve that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we need to remember that um, when we focus our attention on the physical, on our circumstances, we can easily take our eyes off of Christ. Yeah. And when you do that, just think about Peter when he got out of the boat when Jesus was walking on water. Peter is getting a bad rap for not having enough faith to walk on water, but he did it for a little while. <laughs> He's the only one who has ever walked on water other than Jesus Christ. Yeah. But when he took his eyes off Jesus and noticed all the waves crashing up around him, that's when he sank. Yeah, and when we take our eyes off of Christ, we sink as well. Uh, we all know people who have had uh, continual pity parties, and I've thrown a few of those parties myself in my day. I'm pretty good at it. I'm a good hostess at some times, and I, I really you know, need encouragement to t take my eyes off of me and put it back where you know my focus needs to be on Christ and so I'm so thankful for those ladies who've crashed my little parties and and uh, reminded me what's really important so ladies party crash away uh, whenever you see a sister having a pity party um, you know that that's actually pretty self-centered to have mm -hmm. one of those and it is. Uh, we're, we're focusing so much on 
uh, things that are just circumstantial sometimes. You know, I think it was Ann Landers or her sister Abby that said once, it's not okay to wallow in self-pity, but it's okay to sludge your feet in it every now and then. (laughs) But as women of God, we don't even want to do that. (laughs) No. I I love what uh, the author of Hebrews writes in uh, Hebrews 3, uh, 13, and it says, Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So there's actually a purpose, a great purpose for encouraging each other. Yes, and then 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So it is what we're supposed to do. And, you know, really, without encouragement, hardship kind of becomes meaningless. And sometimes our will to go on kind of fades away. I think about the prophet Elijah and how he struggled with discouragement. And this is in 1 Kings 19. Now, this is the same guy that just defeated all of the 400, I believe it was, prophets of Baal and slaughtered them all. And then he gets one little word that Queen Jezebel is out to get him and he flees and has himself a huge pity party. And God didn't really rebuke him. I mean, he did, but he didn't say, who are you to question my yeah. uh, my uh, sustenance of you and all this? No, he actually took good care of Elijah during those days and then you had the verses where he says, okay, stand on the hilltop and, and the earthquake happened, but God wasn't in the earthquake and then the whirlwind came by yeah. God wasn't in the whirlwind, but then he heard the small, still whisper and so you, you know, you, you think about what he went through and it's really important, I think for us to remember that um, he is always with us. Yeah. Always. He never leaves us. never leaves us or forsakes us. And when you look at it in those terms, it kind of makes it easier to sacrifice your own desires knowing of what's going on is going to really have an impact for God's kingdom. Wow, that is so encouraging just to even hear these truths. So ladies, I hope that you are uh, hearing this. If you're in a spot today where you're just, uh, you're, you're feeling overburdened by the world, uh, I, I hope that you're encouraged to go to the scriptures and even find more. And uh, I've got one here, Nancy, that uh, if you're a word picture person and you love to visualize, uh, maybe you're a more creative type, uh, you'll love this one in Proverbs 25.11. It says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Isn't that pretty? Oh, like that's that. beautiful. Uh, and we had talked about Hebrews before. Here's Hebrews ten twenty three through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, mm-hmm. for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meat together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, capital D, drawing near. Mm-hmm. That day is drawing near, and that that's why these days, and, and I know sometimes it is hard to find a fellowship, a church body that is solidly focused on the Word of God, but it's worth the effort because we do need each other. 
times are going to get tougher and tougher. And we're going to, in this country, lose more and more of our religious freedoms. Uh, we're already seeing so many of them that we never thought we would see fade away. So we do need those believers around us to help encourage us, to help build us up, to help keep us focused on the prize, like Paul talked about. Yeah. So ladies, are you an encouragement? Have you ever encouraged anybody? Well, uh, those of you who are moms can practice every day on your kids. If you're a wife, you can practice this on your husband. Uh, Do your words, build them up, encourage them. Uh, because they're going through some hard times, too. You know, we think we have bad days sometimes. And uh, think about uh, our students. If you don't homeschool and your kids are off uh, and they come home and, and uh, you know, they, they faced a whole world of worldly, carnal messages. They need some encouragement. They need to hear God's truth uh, just washing over them. Uh, I love this encouragement uh, from Peter. Uh, in First Peter, he writes this, and, and this is uh, starting in... Chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you also may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Do we look for his glory in some of the worst circumstances? Oh, and that is so true. If God is sovereign, and he is, he's in control. Yes, the things that always happen are not his will, but they are all part of his plan. He knows where everything is heading. So we have to remember that. And I love 2 Timothy 4.2. Now, remember, these are some of Paul's very, very, very last words of instruction to Timothy. He knew his end was near. His life was about to be poured out as a drink offering, as he put it. So... He's really encouraging Timothy in his leadership of the Ephesian church with preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So if we if we take those verses, sometimes encouragement might include a little bit of a rebuke, but you can also teach that, use it as a teaching moment to encourage them, say, you know, I I know you have a gift for this, but the way I see you using it right now isn't really honoring God and helping his kingdom, but you can use it in so many better ways to further his kingdom. Yeah, boy, that's a great example, Nancy, and there's so many examples that we could share We are getting near the end of our time, so I I do want to remind you that it is our responsibility as women in the Word to share the Word and to share encouragement with other women because we all struggle in this world. We do have troubles in this world, don't we? And the path is never easy, but the path is so worth it. So let's bring other uh, people in our lives along with us on that path uh, that always leads to one place, and that is Christ. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to leave it here for right now. When we come back, we are going to get some strong encouragement from the Word of God through our Bible study. And uh, we've got some questions to ask to make it personal. So we're going to do that when we come back. Uh, Beth Seifert is standing by with today's Bible study in First Samuel. So open your Bibles there if you have them. Or if you're driving in your car and tuning in, uh, just sit tight for a couple minutes because you'll want to listen in for sure. We'll be right back. 
We equip women around the world to nurture others with the word. Want to partner with Naomi's Table? Consider being a business partner. Details at Naomi'sTable.com. It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Gather around and let's begin. It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Gather around and let's begin. Well, we are here with Beth Seifert. She's our Bible study teacher, and she is taking us through 1 Samuel. It's a wonderful Bible study. You can find all the notes on our Bible studies tab, along with the podcasts. And we just highly encourage you to use the materials and have your own guided Bible studies. Thanks for joining us, Beth. Hi there, Amy. Well, today we're going to pick back up with Saul and with the the medium, and he's going to have an interesting conversation coming up. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 1 Samuel. We're in chapter 28. We're going to be in verses 13 through 25 today. Then the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell at once full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and night. And the woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you have said to me. Now therefore you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she quickly killed it, and she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread of it. And she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. And they rose and went away that night. Saul has a conversation with Samuel, or this Samuel-like image. Now this conversation he has isn't what he hoped for. First of all, Samuel is angry that Saul has disturbed him by bringing him up. If this really is Samuel, and the Bible doesn't say that it's an evil spirit who talked like Samuel, it does say Samuel, he doesn't want to be dragged back to this life. He's cranky with good reason. Now here is Saul forcing the issue and attempting to force Samuel to do his bidding again. Saul's response says it all. I am in great distress. God has turned away from me. You tell me what to do. 
Again, it is all about Saul. Instead of trying to correct his relationship with God, since God won't answer him anymore, Saul has decided to mess with things he shouldn't be messing with. The occult. Samuel calls Saul on it, too. Samuel's reply is so direct and to the point. Why ask me for help? Why ask for help when God is now your enemy? I'm not God's enemy, and I'm not going to help his enemies. God has turned away from you just like I told you he would, because you wouldn't listen to him anyway. What you are experiencing today is a direct result of your allowing the Amalekite king and their livestock to live. Because of you, by this time tomorrow, you and your sons will be dead, and God is going to hand you and all of Israel, including the army, over to the Philistines. This is it, Saul. Your end is in sight, and there is nothing you can do about it. Here, I think, is the strongest evidence for this being actually Samuel. Every single detail that Samuel shares is true. All of it. Especially the future prediction of Saul's death points to this being Samuel. We see throughout the Bible that demons come and they will give information, but it's never 100% true and it's most of the time mostly false. This information was 100% accurate. Well, this was clearly not what Saul expected or wanted to hear. He falls on his face, all his strength is gone, and he won't move. The medium returns. This word suggests that she was not in Saul's direct view while she gave her oracles prophecies. And she tries to get Saul to eat, but he refuses. Now, she wants him to eat so he'll leave. So he'll have his strength and leave her house and leave her alone. When his men join the urging, he finally consents and eats. The woman feeds him and his men, and then they all leave. And I bet she was glad to see them go, because when they left, she was still alive. Throughout Samuel, Saul kept trying to justify himself and to find a way out of the situation he found himself in, namely, enmity with God. He was God's enemy. No matter how hard Saul tries, the reality is that Saul never looked to God, but always looked for a loophole instead. He never looked to God to forgive him and save him. He kept trying to find a way around it. Even to the very end, Saul is willing to play with fire to find a solution that he wants. How horrified he must have been to hear Samuel tell him that his time was up. It's over. The game is done. And Saul lost. Saul lost most of all because this would be the end for him permanently. He wasn't going to get to be with God in heaven. That to me is the worst part. Saul still doesn't seem to understand that though. He lived all his life for today for what he could accumulate on earth and for ensuring he would be remembered after he was dead. Unfortunately, what he is remembered for is for being a lousy king who never sought God. It's interesting that Saul always is finding himself as God's enemy. Because ladies, we're all God's enemy until we're covered with the blood of Christ. And God specifically tells us that we're all under his wrath, that his enemies, we are enemies, that Christ died for us while yet we were still his enemies. Do you understand what that means? That means that if you're not for God, you are his enemy. If you're neutral about God, you're his enemy. If you have not accepted that Jesus is Lord and given your life to him, 
And if you're not covered by his blood, God still looks at you and sees his enemy. Ladies, this world is full of all kinds of trials and problems, and we can't avoid them. There's only one place I know of where you can run to find help. That's God. Everything else, work, friends, family, food, drugs, alcohol, sports, TV, computers, mediums, hobbies, all of it will in the end leave you alone and unfulfilled. Your spouse can't fulfill you. They are human and they will fail you. Your job won't fulfill you. Your identity, when your identity is in anything but Christ, first and foremost, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. When you put on Christ and acknowledge that He truly is Lord of your life, then when those trials come, and they will still come, you will still feel the pain, but it won't destroy you. Not because of how awesome you are, but because of how awesome He is, and because you're relying on Him for strength day by day. Ladies, please don't be alone. Don't try to make a go of this world without Him. Don't be alone permanently, especially. Remember that this life is not the end. It's only a teeny tiny introduction to eternity. You can spend eternity with God or without. What choices you make right now impact that decision. Saul ran out of chances. God turned his back on Saul and wouldn't answer him. But truly, Saul had stopped seeking God long before that. Don't be Saul. Oh, heavens, if I could get just one thing across from all of this, it's that. Don't focus so much on this world that you miss the bigger picture. Lean on God, rest in Him, and walk with Him. We will continue to watch David in the weeks to come, and you will find for yourself a good example of how to lean on God. David isn't perfect. He does not follow God perfectly, but he consistently shows his heart is soft and is ready to listen to God even when he deliberately sins. Saul was always looking for someone else to blame or some other way out. There is no other way out, ladies. God is the only way. Today I would just ask you to look at your life. Stop and consider, where is your identity? My fervent prayer is that anyone hearing this who doesn't know God would stop right now, right where they are, and repent. Agree with God that you are a sinner. Call upon His name and accept the free gift of salvation that He offers through the blood of His Son. It will change your life. You can't walk away from a meeting with a Mack truck and be unscathed, and Jesus is the ultimate in life-changing experiences. It doesn't mean your life will be bliss and roses, but it means that you won't have to rely on yourself when it isn't bliss and roses. And it means that one day, when you stand before God, He will look on you and see His Son, and you will be able to enter into eternity with Him. Because Jesus is your intercessor and you have trusted him to take on your sins while he gives you his righteousness. It's a gift you can't earn and don't deserve. It is by his grace through faith in him alone that you are saved. Call on him today. And if you already have called on him, then thank him for your salvation. Thank him that you are not Saul. And if today were your last day, that would be more than okay because you know that you're going home to him. 
We serve a mighty God, a gracious God, a just and loving God. Don't be Saul, ladies. Don't let your story end like his. Well, thank you, Beth. And Beth's study guides, as well as the 10-minute podcasts of these presentations, are all available in our archives under the Bible Studies tab of our website, naomistable.com. Nancy and I will be back with more on this in just a moment. Naomi's Table is 100% listener-supported, serving women around the world thanks to our listeners' generous gifts. Go to our website, naomistable.com, and click on the support button. And thank you for equipping us to equip women. No junk food served here. Now, back to Naomi's Table. Welcome back to the table, everyone. In this segment, what we're going to do is talk about the Bible study you just heard. Now, this uh, conversation that Nancy and I are going to have doesn't replace the notes. The notes are going to take you all over Scripture and uh, ask some very important questions about your walk with God. So we just encourage you to download those. And uh, when you get to our website, naomistable.com, look for the ones titled Lesson Number 65, an unholy message. It's from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 28. We're all the way up in uh, verse 13 through 25 today. And Nancy, we're still talking about what happens next with this witch of Endor. And I have to tell you that it, it truly is an unholy message, but yet. So uh, I'll let you run with that for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about this after the lesson yesterday. Yeah. And I said, you know, we love to um, pretty much say that the good old days back in TV were so much better than they yeah. are today. And in many aspects, that can be true. But I remember a show that probably many of us watched way, way, way long ago called Bewitched. Yes. And Bewitched was about a witch who married a human man and and it was a constant battle with her to not use her powers to help him. Um, but if you remember, she had a mother that frequently was on the yes. show. And the mother's name was Endora. <laughs> and I thought, isn't that interesting? Here we have the Witch of Endor. And then we have a main character in this show called Endora. So even in that show, back in those more innocent times on TV, they were really embracing the dark side, if you will, uh, even though it was taken from a story in the Bible. So I, I just thought that was kind of interesting, interesting. To, to look at that. But. Well, and even in our culture today, we uh, glorify witchcraft, you know, or uh, sorcery or anything like that. Even Disney's doing that one uh, with uh, Angela Jolie and Maleficent and whatever her name is from uh, Sleeping Beauty. Was that mm-hmm. the fairy tale? Yes. I, I saw a trailer for that. And, um, I, I wish I could wash my eyes out, but... Uh, very, very dark, and, and what they're doing is uh, making it enticing for children to say, well, once you get to really know her, she's not so bad. She's got a reason for being evil, and, and then you, you get to like her a little bit. Well, that's kind of how uh, our modern culture does twist the truth about what God hates and what he says is an abomination. In this case, sorcery, witchcraft, all of that is strictly forbidden, and yet here we've got uh, the king coming to this witch of Endor saying, uh, I want you to raise up Samuel for me. And uh, so she, um, whatever she does, she does her thing. And uh, now now we hear him speaking, 
And what he says is uh, quite interesting. Yeah, and that actually, uh, because everything he says is absolutely true, and everything he says comes true, it does uh, lead a lot of credence. And in fact, the way it's written, that this is actually the spirit of Samuel, who has been allowed to come back from the dead. And we read some verses, uh, I think yesterday, I believe, about... Um, whether someone can return from the dead. And we talked about the story of Lazarus the beggar and the rich man who each die. And uh, interestingly, when we read those passages at the end of the show, I think it was um, on Friday maybe or whatever the last lesson was, uh, that um, it never said it was impossible for someone to come back from the dead. Yeah. But it said that well, if they're not going to believe Moses and the prophets, then they won't believe it even if someone does rise from the dead. So just because it's possible doesn't mean that it is not still an abomination to God. You know, uh, exactly. And Jesus brought back, you know, the, the Lazarus, his friend, uh, the Lazarus and the rich man. He was talking about, um, again, that was a, a parable that he was using to, to illustrate. Um, but interestingly, um, you know, as Beth pointed out, uh, this probably was Samuel and that everything he said was 100% true. And, and we've shared this. I'm going to pull up this article uh, that we uh, posted before on Naomi's Table.com about how to tell for sure uh, if somebody's telling uh, you truth as I believe it was a prophet. Now, uh, we don't believe that there's any new prophecies that the Bible, the canon is closed on that. But uh, but back in the day, prophets had to have their prophecies be 100 percent true. 100% of the time or they were stoned, uh, they were killed. Um, anybody who points to any other Jesus other than the biblical one is also a false, I guess, prophet or teacher. Um, anyone who uses uh, supernatural or occultist techniques in doing something like that, that would be a false teacher. And then anyone who has a rebellious or unrepentant spirit, that bad fruit, that would also be false. So we're digressing a little bit because I want to get into the next thing that Beth said. And I, th- Nancy, this makes this probably my most favorite uh, Bible study she's done because she gives a clear presentation of the gospel. And ladies, I, I hope I, I want to go back and rewind that later and play that again and again. It, it's so good um, that she did it. We tend to look for loopholes like Saul did, but uh, you know, when we are his, we are his child, um, and that happens only through spiritual adoption. And I, I love how she presented the full gospel message there. That is free. That's a free gift for all of us. We can't attain it, especially in that, you know, through, uh, you know, using practices that are strictly prohibited by the Bible. But even our good deeds, we can't earn God's love. No, we can't. Uh, and there are so many religious traditions that teach us that we can really through doing this sacrament or, or that good work or this thing or that thing. And that's all false. Yeah. It is. Your good works, as James so eloquently put it, your good works should come out of your faith. But it is your faith that saves you. Yeah, it's, it's Christ's blood washing over us. What he did on the cross means that we can know for certain that he loves us, that he died for our sins. We need to make that personal. And I think a lot of us can kind of say the words and say, 
I, you know, Christ died for my sins, I'm good to go, whatever it is. Um, we, when we take the time to reflect, to be in his word, to understand God's character and know uh, what he did for us personally, wow, it is such an eye-opener. Um, and when I think about all of the times, all of the things that I did to offend uh, my God, I, I just, uh, it, it really keeps you humble. When you lose sight of that, uh, you can get puffed up and, and uh, even legalistic. And so we, we just need to continually remind ourselves from where we came and only God could save us through his son. Humility is the key. Yeah. If you can can focus on um, really learning how to be humble and humbling yourself, then God isn't going to have to do it for you. Yeah. And Amen. it's not pleasant when he does. <laughs> no. All right, ladies. Well, we hope you enjoyed that. But uh, we're going to leave this here for now. When we come back, some final scripture verses as nourishment here at the table. We hope you can pull up a chair, grab some spoons, and start to dig in. We'll be right back. We equip women around the world to nurture others with the word. Want to partner with Naomi's Table? Consider being a business partner. Details at Naomi'sTable.com. Got a minute? I'm Krista Wager, and I'm here at the table with a verse-by-verse moment from the book of James. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Those who teach, which is all of us, will be judged for what we actually teach. If you think that because you are not a formal teacher you can get out of this responsibility, you cannot. We all teach by our lives and our words. Parents who claim not to be teachers and depend on professional teachers do not realize how vital their role is in all educational matters. If parents sit and watch four hours of television a night, they have taught their children. If parents are self-centered and absorbing, they have taught their kids. If parents allow alcohol in the house, watch questionable movies, eat to excess, or obsess over their weight, they have taught their kids. Although this passage refers to the more formal teachers, perhaps those in the Jewish religion who have taught it wrong, those who are not formal teachers, still need to think about the things they are teaching. For it would be better for a millstone to be tied around one's neck and he be thrown into the abyss than he should teach a little one false ways. I'm Krista Wager, and minute by minute, verse by verse, we're covering the book of James here at Naomi's Table. The food is ready. Now, back to Naomi's Table. Welcome back to the table, and uh, we hope this program has encouraged you. Uh, Nancy, you've got some scripture verses there as more of a, a warning, and uh, these we should be able to listen to and glean some things, even though times have changed. Uh, things, sin is as old as can be. So what do you have there? Well, this is just a reminder to us of where it says that God finds mediums and fortune tellers and things like that and those practices and consulting them. Such an abomination. And this is in Deuteronomy 18 from verse 9 to 14. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, mm-hmm. anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. 
For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. So, ladies, it's in there. <laughs> I'm glad you found that address, Nancy. Uh, remind us again what you were reading. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, we're going to end it here, and we hope you can join us tomorrow. Until then, have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you for joining us today at Naomi's Table. We encourage you to head over to Naomi'sTable.com for resources, articles, Bible study guides, and much more. Until next time, be equipped and encouraged in God's Word. 